Welcome to the Brick and Mortar Reborn podcast, the show designed to help you keep a pulse on the fast-changing world of brick and mortar. As the world reopens and operators race to meet the rising expectations and demands of experience-driven post-COVID consumers, it's more important than ever to stay ahead of the curve and understand the trends and technologies that will shape the future. In each episode, we'll interview successful operators, subject matter experts, and leading thought leaders who will share their insight to help you prepare yourself and your organization for what lies ahead. Here's your host, Bobby Marhamat, CEO of Radiant. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Catherine Cullen, Senior Director of Retail and Consumer Insights at the National Retail Federation, NRF. Catherine, welcome to the show. Hi, Bobby. Thank you for having me on. It's great to join you today. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. I know how, how busy things can get nowadays, so I appreciate, again, you taking the time. Of course. Well, it's always great to have conversations like this. I've been looking forward to it all week. That That is awesome. That is awesome. Before we get started, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you, if you don't mind giving us a little bit of your background, and then we'll go from there. Yes, absolutely. So I am with the National Retail Federation. We are the uh, largest global association uh, for retailers. Uh, We represent everyone from restaurants to mom and pops to mass merchandise to pure plays. Uh, If you sell something to a consumer, we represent you. So it's a fun space to be in. And I... Uh, lead our consumer and industry insights. So I get to keep a pulse on how people are shopping, what their attitudes are, and some of the major trends shaping the consumer experience, the role of the store, and really how the retail landscape is evolving. So it's a it's a fun, uh, challenging, uh, always new environment. <laughs> That's this is this is the stuff that I nerd out with. So super exciting stuff to get to drill into. How did you how did you get to NRF? What what led you to NRF? Um, it's a long and windy road. Uh, I'll skip some of the less important parts, but I uh, did spend part of my career working in consumer insights for groups like Macy's, where I really, you know, became involved with looking at the voice of the consumer and, and what that customer lens means for retailers. Ended up connecting with NRF and they were looking to uh, build out really their voice on the consumer space and build out how we talk about uh, shopper trends and what that what that means for the retail industry overall. So it's a perfect match, so to speak, and one that very much kind of drew on my experience and, and love of the retail industry. That's awesome. That's awesome. As you as you think about and you talk, you know, of course, you're looking at insights. We're also probably talking to a large number of folks in, in these different kind of organizations. What what has changed over the last few years in retail? <laughs> Wow, that's a big question. I mean, <laughs> we just have to, I think, to look at our own lives as consumers and, and we start to see some of the things that I will talk about. But, you know, if I think about some of the, the three or four big trends that, that I've really seen over the last few years, a lot of it is things that were starting to bubble up before the pandemic, uh, but the pandemic really poured the gas on and, and accelerated because we saw this big shift to spending on goods and really big shifts in, in consumer behavior when it came to shopping. But the things, you know, I've really seen take off are a 
hyper-focus on convenience. And that encompasses a lot of different technologies and innovations. But I think one of the core parts of it is focus on things like curbside, same-day delivery, or buy-online pickup and store, really taking you know, some of the the pain points that can come with shopping and taking those out of the equation and making things as easy and seamless for consumers as possible. I would also say kind of alongside of that, contactless payments really taking off over the last few years. And we're seeing that continue to evolve with, with things like the Amazon Go stores, but even as simple as people tapping their phones or tapping a card to check out. These are these are things, whether it's curbside or contactless, that people started doing out of concerns around health and safety, but they kept doing because they liked it and it was extremely convenient for them. And then the, the third one is a little more nebulous. I would say that it is uh, a focus on consumers shopping based on their values and really bringing their values to play in the checkout experience. And I know I said that was the last one, but I have one more. I went, I forgot I went to add. Probably the most important is I think we've really done away with this dichotomy where we pit stores versus um, online. I think the, the trend that has emerged throughout the pandemic is that consumers are hybrid shoppers. They like to shop across channels, sometimes across channels for the same trip. And we really can't pit these two ways of shopping against each other. They have to work together in tandem to really you know, make it in today's retail environment. I totally agree. I totally agree. As as we we even recently, as I've been talking to a bunch of you know D to C brands as well, direct to consumer, and it's interesting how many of them are are thinking through you know, opening up brick and mortar locations because it's like really a convergence of online offline. It's it's a hybrid like you 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 mentioned you know shopping behavior that I think is is one of the biggest trends that's changing. And with that, you know, part of that is is how you actually manage the, uh, your your locations, but the other part is how you use technology to really. Uh, manage a lot of that as well across both kind of online and offline type transactions. Absolutely. And just to add to that, one of my favorite quotes I go back to over and over again is uh, actually from the founder of Everlane. And it was early in Everlane's evolution. He said, you know, we'll never open a store. And then years later, they announced they were opening stores because it is what their customers wanted. And so that's really, to me, epitomizes what a lot of D2C companies go through. And Alongside that, I think we saw a lot of brick and mortar stores expand their online presence or their online touch points through the pandemic. Absolutely, absolutely. As we talk about, as Catherine, as we talk about really, you know, again, this online offline world that we live in, this new hybrid shopping world that we live in, why why do you think in location experiences uh, still matter? I love this question. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, we have to remember people are buying goods. And there is an element of touching and feeling goods and seeing them in person that is very, very difficult to replicate or to replace. We see this, you know, particularly around holidays with gifting, but even in other aspects of their lives, you know, consumers are increasingly comfortable with, you know, 
order fulfillment for something like groceries, but there are still some core produce items they may like to pick up themselves. So one is the touch and feel and tangible aspect of it. The second is, I think we often forget how convenient the store is, particularly when you add in things like curbside or buy online pickup in store. You know, we saw this during the height of the pandemic, but delivery times for shipping items is not always the most, it's not always the fastest way to get what you want. Yeah. And oftentimes the store and the store as a fulfillment center is really critical. And I think customers have started to recognize and embrace that. The third piece though, is the engagement and experience part. You know, we're in a position where customers have almost limited, limitless choice. And in a, in a world like that, it can be difficult to continuously compete on price or convenience. We're seeing a lot of technologies and innovations that speak to convenience are becoming table stakes. So then how do you differentiate yourself? And it's through, in many cases, the experience. Of course, which experience is right for your customers depends on which line of business you're in. But I think we are seeing a return to the idea that the store can be a fun experience, a social experience, a way you can get something that you can't get online, you know, direct communication with a customer service uh, representative, for example. Um, or you can have something that you you wouldn't expect. You know, I think we're seeing, again, more focus on things like, I think Dick's Sporting Goods does this, where uh, you have climbing walls inside and interactive yeah. experiences where you can actually... They serve a purpose. They let you try out the product, but they're also fun. And I think we're going to see uh, more of a focus on that uh, as we kind of emerge from the latest phase of COVID. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think part of this is also, you know, the a, lar- a large portion of you know, brands are really trying to, you know, create better connections with their customers and create more loyal customers. And so with that, you know, I think a large portion of this, you can go buy, you know, certain things online. You can, with other things, you really want to go kind of touch, feel, you want that experience. So as you go into that location, depending on whatever that experience means for your, your ideal you know, customer, if you will, coming into that location. I think that's one thing that brands should really think about. Because nowadays, unless they have a reason to come back, um, unless they have a reason to go want to you know, touch and feel, unless there's a convenience aspect to it, you know, they're not going to really think about that. They're going to go order online. So that, I think that's become increasingly important for brands to really think about. I agree 100%. I think it, it will be a key differentiator going forward because people also get tired of having so much choice. So when they find something yeah. they like, and they build that, that relationship with you, they may be a little less likely to, to switch because they, they have that connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. As you think about, you know, one of the things that comes up a lot is, you know, Gen Z and, you know, Gen Z consumers and, and buying behaviors, shopping habits, et cetera. Have you seen in, in kind of any of the work that you've done, any sort of differences in buying behaviors with kind of the, the, the generation Z? Yes, so this is, that's been a generation we have certainly focused on um, really over the last five years as they've kind of come more and more into their own as consumers. You know, of course, they were a really interesting group to study because they grew up with this world of connectivity that we, you know, some of us who might be, I won't speak for you, but older shoppers may not have, you know, grown up uh, shopping online from <laughs> my from yeah. birth are uh, using, you know, voice, voice shopping or things like that. But even 
what we will be seeing and what our research has really shown is that Gen Z still really likes physical stores and they like the relationship with brands, but they don't have patience if your experience does not match their expectations. And so what does that mean? That means that they, they want to be connected while they're in your store. So they expect to be able to be browsing their social channels, posting. They want to be entertained. So they enjoy the experiential aspect. But if you waste their time if you know something as simple as your in-store Wi-Fi isn't working or your interactive displays are frustrating, you know, they're not going to stick around. They know there's more out there for them and they they will move on. I will also caution a little bit, you know, these are these are very young consumers. As they, you know, we're seeing this with millennials now, you know, as millennials age up as they start to settle down their shopping behaviors. And in some ways they're starting to mimic older generations. So it's not to say that this is how they will always behave, but right now they're, they're very engaged in the physical environment. They like it. They view it as social, but they will quickly walk away if you lose their interest or fall short of what they're looking for. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. How do you, how do you, what's, what's your advice for brands and to really stay relevant to you know, Gen Z consumers while Still, you know, making sure that they serve the the kind of older consumers, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, it's also important to note that not all not all brands are looking to con, you know meet all of these consumers. Um, are looking to um, kind of serve a customer base across generations. You know, I think it's important to understand what what these different groups like and what they're looking for. And it's not just a digital experience. We saw this throughout the pandemic that customers of all ages are shopping more through their mobile devices, they're using your app, they're uh, using the technical, the technology that you are providing. And it's not just your younger customers looking for them, looking for that. I will say, you know, one difference maybe is what that we've seen with sort of older generations is older generations might like a little bit more of that personal touch. When they're using your technology, they're probably looking for coupons. They're looking for savings and sales, not necessarily to be entertained. But when they come in the store, they often um, want someone to approach them and ask them if they need help. On the flip side, younger customer Gen Z is a little bit more likely. They might use, they definitely are looking for promotions and sales, but they are also using uh, your online channels to be entertained, to be inspired, to, you know, see what their friends are doing. And when they come in the store, they don't necessarily want, want to be approached. They want you to be there if they have a question, but they kind of want the freedom to explore the space on their own and, and reach out to you if they need assistance. So that's just one kind of nuance that we've seen kind of teased out across these generations. So I would say, you know, really understanding what these different needs are from these different groups is, is how you avoid alienating them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to flip the question on you. How do, how do brands engage with older consumers on digital channels? Oh, yes. You know, and I, I think that it's a lot of what I was saying, you know, it, it's an understanding what they're looking for. You know, older shoppers do tend to be very value focused right now. So they are looking for promotions. They're looking for deals. That's, a big reason they might try your app or try your digital channel. So they're looking for that savings or that value aspect. And they're also, they're not necessarily looking for a story, for example, you know, for, you know, story about the brand or the product, they want to do something that's a little bit more functional and transactional. You can certainly have both. In many cases, brands do offer both, but just understanding kind of that 
that need that that digital channel might be solving for them. We hear a lot from actually... I was talking to consumers who were both shopping at the same large retailer and the re- and they loved it, but for very different reasons. The older shopper uh, loved it because the, and they were using the app because uh, they could easily save money, find their coupons. And because the store was well-stocked, the younger customer liked it because there was an opportunity to explore new brands and kind of engage in a little bit more of a fun environment through through their app or through their, their digital channels. So this the retailer was doing a great job of meeting both their customer needs, but people were, were coming to them and liking different parts of it. Absolutely. Makes sense. What do you think, um, you know, one of the subjects that, you know, some, some folks have been bringing up is the you know, Black Friday, how that really changes, I guess I'll call it post-COVID, hopefully it's post-COVID. <laughs> but, um, you know, what do we expect uh, or what do you expect kind of Black, Black Friday to really remain a pillar of the retail calendar? Is it going to change? Uh, what are your views around that? Certainly. This is something we, we talk about and, and look at a lot, you know, I think it's important to remember that Black, well, see how Black Friday has evolved. You know, it really used to be the kickoff to the holiday shopping season. Now it's definitely more of the midpoint. We're seeing partly through the pandemic, but this was starting before. Shoppers are like to start their holiday shopping early. They're spending more than they ever were before, but they like to spread that shopping out over a few months. And so we have seen, you know, it started as Black Friday, obviously Cyber Monday. Now it's, you know, Thanksgiving week and Black November. And we're even seeing, you know, every Friday's Black Friday kind of deals leading leading up to the actual event. So I think the first is to understand that the shape of the holiday season has changed and, and all indications are it's changed permanently. But Black Friday taps into that very important part of shopping. We were just talking about the experience. It is, even if it's not the point in time in which people are doing all of their holiday shopping or they're knocking everything out. People look forward to it. It's a tradition for them. It's a time for them to get out with friends and family. They do expect to see good deals during that time, but there is an engagement and an experiential factor that I think is very difficult to um, get rid of. I think we will, we will in the near term, at least, you know, be looking at many more Black Fridays, even as the holiday season continues to kind of flatten the curve a little bit in terms of how people approach their shopping. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. We'll see how it evolves. As you're thinking about online channels, again, you know, a lot of the questions right now are, you know, what, what, what point of sale do I use? So yeah, I can, I can basically serve these hybrid customers that are buying online and offline, et cetera. But, you know, one of, one of the questions that uh, a lot of folks are asking is how, how do online channels really support in-store performance? What are your, what are your views around that? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, if we just think about our own shopping journeys, we can probably map out exactly how this happens, but we're certainly seeing it in the data as well. You know, online is often um, where people first turn for information and for details, for research. They're often doing their price comparisons that by the time they come in the store, if it, if, it's a kind of a normal shopping journey. They're either looking for more information or they want to see the product in person, but they have, they have a good sense of what they're looking for. They're coming into you as an informed shopper much more than they, they may have in the past. So I think understanding about having that information available on your digital channels is a way to you know help shoppers along their customer journey so that when they finally uh, 
show up in person, they're choosing you. I also think one of the critical, you know, it's certainly not the most exciting sounding innovation, but one of the most critical innovations over the last several years has been, you know, we've really seen retailers of all shapes and sizes really rationalizing and connecting their online inventory and their in-store inventory so that shoppers can see what's available, where, and how quickly they can get it. And they can shop in the way that's most convenient to them. And I think that really lends itself to that hybrid shopping model that we are talking about and also builds that you know deeper relationship with your customer. We're seeing, again, it retailers are making it so easy in many cases for you to look up, hey, this product that I want is available in store. I can go get it right now. And there's that convenience factor that that is really, really critical. So I think those two pieces certainly go hand in hand and we're seeing fewer and fewer retailers just living on one channel. Makes sense. Makes sense. What are your uh, best strategies you've seen used by brands? to really you know, decarbonize their supply chains. That's that's one, supply chain is another subject that comes up a lot. Yes, certainly. And I apologize. I think this is one I meant to ask to remove because this is not, that's not really my focus. Um, oh, okay, okay. Let's, if let's we move on past that one. Yeah, sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. What role, Catherine, as, as you think about technology, what retail technologies have emerged and grown in terms of adoption? And what do you think is going to continue to grow here over the next several years? I don't mean to sound like a broken um, record, but I think curbside, 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 and that ability to for customers to have information about what's in your stores online. I know that sounds like a simple thing, but we all know that it's it's actually very complicated to connect your inventory across both channels and retailers. I think their investments in that are, are just starting to pay off. On the kind of more fun side, possibly, I am paying a lot of attention to live streaming. Um, I think it's another aspect of, of engagement and entertainment that I think we're going to see continue to to catch on here. You know, it's it's it may slow a little bit uh, now that people are not locked down in their houses, but I think there is an element of it that really taps into people's desire to be entertained that is that is really critical. Absolutely. Is there a new technology that you think uh will have a bigger impact on shopping here as as you're looking at trends and analytics across the board? Is there anything that kind of jumps out and you're like, oh I'm curious about this and how this how this is going to pan out? Yeah. Well I mean Everyone is obviously talking about the metaverse and what that means. I think that's the big question of the day is whether it's in cryptocurrency, whether these are flash flashes in the pan or, or things that people are really going to um, lob onto. Whether or not they take off, I think they speak to kind of two core needs. One is with crypto, it speaks to people's desire to have many different ways to pay for things. And I, I think innovations that focus on payments are going to continue to uh, take off and grow, whether or not that means crypto becomes a dominant form of currency or not. When it comes to the metaverse, I think it that speaks to people's you know, desire to have an integrated experience. Again, I don't know if everyone is going to be shopping using avatars or buying things just for their their digital personas, but people are bringing together both the digital and physical aspects of their lives and technologies that speak to that, that let them, you know, 
try on a product virtually or place it in their home as we as we've seen that those are going to continue to grow in terms of adoption you know and maybe one day we will be all connected on the metaverse the way we're <laughs> hearing we're going to be yeah yeah who knows right we'll see yeah obviously we'll see Catherine, that was a wealth of information thank you so much is there anything that i forgot to share or forgot to ask you sorry that uh, you would like to share with our with our listeners Nope. I think we covered a lot of uh, the major trends. You know, I think we're at a really exciting place when it comes to shopping right now. And I think we're seeing, uh, we've seen a lot of innovation from retailers during the pandemic that I think sets us up for a better served customer. And for, you know, I'm, I'm personally excited to see more of stuff around the engagement and experiential aspect. I think that is a really interesting space where we're, we're just going to see a lot of innovation and change. I will just put a small plug in if folks want to learn more about any of our research, you know, please check out nrf.com. We have reports and, and studies on all these topics. I love it. Love it. Catherine, thank you so much again. That was a wealth of information. I appreciate you making the time. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Brick and Mortar Reborn Podcast, brought to you by Renia. For access to the latest episodes, please visit our website at brickandmortarreborn.com. 